This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. Pastor Josh and I had a wonderful conversation with author, speaker, and pastor Sam Alberry. Sam is a same-sex attracted pastor living in Nashville, Tennessee, and he has a lot to share with us from the scriptures about what it means to live with same-sex attraction in a biblical mindset, in a, in a commitment to the scriptures. Sam is a wealth of knowledge, and so we wanted to cut the episodes into two parts. You heard part one the last time you were with us. This is part two of our conversation with Sam Alberry. We've got to be clear again. Jesus, Jesus is non-affirming of the sexuality of all of us. Um, all of us are fallen in our sexuality, and whether you're attracted to men or women or both or neither, you are fallen in your sexuality and need the help of Christ for it. And that's why He came. He came to to be good news for people who are sexually broken and fallen. But uh, to, to say that actually repentance is not needed in this area of life is effectively to say, well, sin has come into the world and touched every area of life except human sexuality. That bit somehow is miraculously <laughs> untouched right. by sin. Right. And to be saying that at the very moment when the prevailing cultural voices are saying that you have to affirm everyone's sexuality. So... Yeah. It's, it's hard to conclude that such teachers are being led by the word of God rather than by, by culture. And where does that kind of thinking stop, you know, is the question. You know, if you're, if you're yeah. kind of, pardon the expression, cherry-picking buffet style, you know, from the scriptures and, and choosing to define uh, things that are, or, or I should say redefine things that are plain in the Bible, what happens? That pastor becomes an ar- arbitrator of... of of kingdom principles and ideas that are plain in scripture. And I, I, I would agree with you. There's such a grave danger there. Um, but yet there are a lot of pastors uh, that are affirming. I mean, I'm sure Sam and some of the, the, the circles that you rub shoulders with, you are talking with pastors and people who are affirming. Uh, how do you, how do you navigate those waters? How do you, I don't want to say that I think of that bumper sticker coexist, right? But you get my, 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 uh, what I'm meaning. How do you, how do you, Sam, as a pastor, um, knowing what you know, being an expert in biblical sexuality, how do you do that? Yeah, it it can be difficult. It can be very awkward. I've, I've had friends who've switched to an affirming position and it, I still regard them as friends, but it puts a strain on the friendship. Mm. Um, I remember saying with, with one friend, they, they said to me, you know, they were in Christian leadership and said, so I guess this means you wouldn't have me preach at your church on human sexuality. And I, I had to say, actually, I, it means I wouldn't have you preach at my church on anything. Mm. Wow. Because I, I don't believe you can hold the view that you now hold without having really jettisoned the authority of Scripture and our doctrine of, of the revelation of God. And therefore, I, I think you've, you've so ruined your relationship to Scripture, I'm not going to trust you to handle any of it wow. in a pulpit. 
You think that's what Paul means, like a little bit of leaven, just a little bit uh, leavens the whole lump. It can really, yeah. really distort and ruin perceptions. And, and, and to think that the rest of our ideas and concepts on the scripture could just be magically okay when one is so far off of, of uh, biblical authority in this area. I, I agree with yeah. you, Sam. I, I think that's a... Well, if you, that's if, a you say, if you say, well, there's only 1% of the Bible I'm disagreeing with here, right? you're still saying you have the authority to disagree with 100% of it. Huh. Wow. That's, that's tweetable right there, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> yeah. But now, what, how, do we, how do we walk through the conversations, though? Because there are some that would say, uh, and I've read, I've read a couple of books, uh, by author, and I don't, I don't want to drag anybody through the mud, but I mean, so there are a couple of books out there that, that actually say, hey, I'm making a biblical case for, and this would be specific to same-sex relationships, uh, and they would say, well, you know, I still uphold all of Scripture, the authority of God's Word. It's just that we've misunderstood you know key passages the greek you know, or so they would say the well Hebrew. you know it doesn't it doesn't actually mean this type of you know sexual relationship Pederasty. it's talking about you know this type of relationship so i mean those maybe they're not more complicated i mean to me it seems a little more complicated because they they're not saying well i disagree with god's word they're saying i disagree with with your interpretation of God's word, how do you navigate that particular nuance uh, in those uh, conversations? Yeah, I think there'd be, there'd be two two ways to navigate that. One would be to say to to such a, a friend, if, you know, if I could persuade you from the Bible that you're wrong, you'd change your mind. Then would you? And I want to know what the answer is to that question. And mm. um, if I can persuade you from the Bible that you're wrong, will will you repent of this sin and will you speak against it? Um, and normally when I've had that conversation, that the answer has been something like, well, the, the, the Bible would never say that. Which, <laughs> which shows me that they've, they've already decided what God will and won't mm -hmm. say. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd want to say is it, it's fascinating to, to dig into what kind of same-sex relationships might Paul have been aware of in, in the Greco-Roman context in which he, he ministered. That's, that's of interest. Mm -hmm. um, that, that is not determinative. Uh, the issue is not, you know, were there nice gay couples in Paul's day? The issue is, is actually what is the biblical doctrine of marriage? Mm. Um, that to me is the real issue. If if Jesus himself teaches marriage is between one man and one woman for life, actually I don't need to know what kind of relationships, same-sex relationships existed in the Roman Empire. I'm mm. historically curious, but I'm not needing that to be what I build my my entire doctrine of sexual ethics on. History doesn't define what we what we think and how we see the Bible. Uh, no, necessarily. exactly. Yeah, and you know, it's very clear that Paul is is speaking not just about um, exploitative same sex relationships because yeah. he, he talks in general terms. He talks about male same sex coupling and female same sex coupling and a whole host of other things. But the real issue is not what Paul thinks about the homosexuality of his day, but what Jesus thinks about marriage. Mm -hmm. um, our understanding of, of same-sex relationships is an outworking of our understanding about marriage. If, if none of the passages that explicitly prohibit same-sex relationships were in the Bible, we would still know what to think about same-sex relationships because of what the Bible says about marriage. Marriage is the bedrock. So, 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 so Jesus defines what marriage yeah. is. 
who cares about anything because that's the definition. We don't need to bring it. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a, that's a good way to. It's a very good, good way to, to, yeah. to sum it up. So now for you, and and this will get a little bit more personal if you're good with that. I mean, so you're a pastor, and and you describe yourself as somebody who experiences same sex attraction. Uh, like, what is what kind of tension have you had to walk through, if any? I mean, may, maybe you haven't felt like there's any tension. I mean, from from a maybe an, a more outside perspective, it's like wow, like that seems like it would be difficult to navigate. What has that been like uh, in, in your experience? Yeah. And it, it's, in one sense, it's hard to answer that because I've, I've not had anyone else's experience. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, this feels normal to me because it's the only Christian life I've lived is my own one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, and I want to take it, I want to take the, the questions seriously and the new Testament lays out the, the criteria for, for people who are going to be church leaders, and those criteria are, are serious and challenging, um, but they don't preclude people who experience same-sex temptation. Um, so it's it's an issue for sure, as with any pastor, their own patterns of temptation are going to be a serious issue to think through, and there are some some practical kind of implications as well in terms of um, being a single pastor rather than being a married pastor and, and the advantages and disadvantages that that can, can often can bring. Um, there's being an, uh, obviously aware of, of temptation and potential temptation in ministry, those sorts of things. But the very presence of that form of temptation, I don't believe is, is disqualifying. Um, provided the Christian is seeking to, to live faithfully mm. um, under that temptation and to mortify sin and to pursue to pursue holiness. Um, other Christians would, would go a lot further than I haven't and say, well, actually, you, you have to have mortified that to the point where you are now actively pursuing and, and experiencing attraction to the opposite sex as a sign of kind of sufficient maturity and growth in the Christian life. I'm, I'm just not sure the Bible, well, I think that's going way further than the Bible is going. And I think it's it's a, a naive view of, of how we handle temptation to assume that actually that the, the more you press on in the Christian life, as I've, I've known many wonderful older Christians who are far more godly than me, they, they don't say that, you know, temptation has gone now that they're mature in their Christian faith. Sometimes the battle is even fiercer. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a significant issue to think through. But I, I I think if if we take the sufficiency of Scripture seriously, if we take the authority of Scripture seriously enough to to recognise the Bible prohibits same-sex relationships, we want to take the sufficiency of Scripture seriously enough not to add to the qualifications that Paul gives for New Testament church leaders. I think that's one of the main reasons that we really decided to do a series of messages like this on Radiant Reflections, because, you know, I think the Christian church, fundamentalism particularly, uh, has really, really dropped the ball and treated gay Christians who are living a biblical sexual ethic, uh, terribly and 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 honestly wickedly um some of the 
the things that I grew up, you know, in the mid nineties and early two thousands, the way that Christians spoke of a person just like yourself, uh, or, or other, other, uh, I think it's important for this kind of biblical ethic to be spoken about because it's it's adhering to scripture, it's representing the heart of God, what biblical marriage is, and yet not de- denying the reality of you as a human creature made in God's image and struggling daily to live like Jesus like the rest of us. Mm. You know, it it's a it's a it's a fight every day. It doesn't matter who you are. And, uh, I, and when you were speaking, it made me think, you know, I think about like young teenage boys or, or even younger guys in their early twenties that are single and they'll come to married and I've been married 20 years and they'll ask, you know, pastor JB, when does it, when does lust get easier? I'm sure once you get married and, and you have uh, an intimate physical life that that just changes and it's going to get better. Right. And I, <laughs> guys, you know, I'm 42 years old, married 20 years. Like you said, Sam, it's sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's more difficult. So it's a reality, um, no matter what. And I'm just thankful for, for you speaking in such a way that, that, um, makes that reality normative to the daily Christian life because it should be. It should be a normative thing that we talk about. Yeah. And also it, it exposes sort of the double standard, right? Because mm-hmm. there, probably, there's Huge. probably nobody sitting in the pews on Sunday yeah. that would say, well, my, my opposite sex attraction is somehow inherently sinful. You know, but they would say, oh, hey, same sex attraction, that's, yeah. that's bad. Some other category or right. something. It's, it's, it's like a whole new <laughs> level. When you, know, you, you uh, allude to Paul talking about the things that exclude us from the kingdom of God, and same sex is only one of many things. You know, there, you know, he talks about drunkenness. And, Covetousness. You know, I mean, that's, he, he's setting the bar, uh, bar pretty high, but we, mm-hmm. uh, we you know, sometimes in, in the church, we, we laser focus in on one or two things. We're like, nope, those are the, those are the bad guys right there. So I it's think a weird that, question, yeah, Sam. Do you know where that, do you have an idea, uh, being a same-sex attracted Christian, where did that behavior come from in the church? Where do you think the, the demonizing, that's, I think that's the right word, the demonizing um, of gay Christians or, or categorizing uh, homosexuality, where did this, where did it come from in the church? My suspicion is it's it's not really about the issue of homosexuality. I think it's just a, the, the general trait of Phariseeism that, that exists in all of our hearts where it's it's easier to confess someone else's sin than your own. Uh-huh. So yeah, you, you get a you get a a church culture and it will tend to be the sins of the majority that, that are most easily overlooked and the sins of the minority that are most easily identified. And we know that the Spirit has come to convict of sin, and so we do feel very convicted about other people's sins. Um, but it, it's easier to to pick on what feels like the sins outside the church than the sins that are, are inside the church. So I can think of churches I know of where Premarital sex is, is pretty much the norm, but they will rail against homosexuality yeah. from the pulpit twice on Sundays, you know. And I just think there's a, there's a double standard there. Mm-hmm. 
No, so I think this is good to draw attention to, I mean, first of all, the fact that we have double standards in the church sometimes, but also to, to change our our posture towards individuals and with with experiences different than ours. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, Paul in First Timothy can call himself the, the foremost of sinners. Hmm. And I don't think it's because Paul had studied every Christian and had realized objectively that he was more sinful than everybody else. I think it's because when we really understand the grace of God, we, we begin to understand the magnitude of our own sin. And you find it very hard then to believe there's a, there's a bigger sinner out there than, than you are. Mm. And that, that does change our posture. Yeah. I know for me, one of the big revelations, and Sam, I'd love to hear you talk about this, as a heterosexual follower of Christ, when you read in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, it says that Jesus, as a human, as a man, just like me, was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. So if I understand what that word all means, it means all. It means that Jesus faced, maybe in some way, we don't know, a same-sex attraction temptation and refused to uh, follow that temptation. Is that, am I speaking heresy? Am I, or am I... I, I don't know if I'll go that far. <laughs> I, I think it, what it means is, I mean, the, the difference between Jesus and us is that temptation for us is an internal matter. That there's a landing pad in our own hearts for, for sinful thoughts and, and right. ideas and desires. Whereas with Jesus, temptation could only come to him externally. Uh, in James 1, we're told we're tempted when it's our own de- desires that, that lure us and entice us. So he didn't have the internal disordered desires that we do. So um, no capacity to sin. No capacity. Um, this, is a, this exactly. is a difficult question. Yeah, this is, you're getting, you're getting <laughs> it is. I, I don't think it. I don't think it means that, that every single form of temptation we can think up Jesus must have experienced. I think it means his understanding of temptation was comprehensive, mm. which means there's no kind of temptation he he's unsympathetic towards. Yeah. So he, he was never tempted by lesbianism. Um, Not possible. But he's still able to sympathize with those who are. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we take great comfort from that because we, we need Jesus to be like us in, in the right ways and we need Jesus to be unlike us in the right ways. And he wonderfully is, is like us in that he's been tested, but gloriously unlike us in that and yet he did not sin. Perfect. So he can be both sympathetic and effective as our high priest. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, hey, as we, and I want to, I want to be conscious of, of your time here. Um, so as, maybe as we kind of close up, um, you know, as, as a single dude, right. Can you speak into the life of, I mean, whether somebody's single and they're, you know, opposite sex attracted, same sex attracted, wherever they, they fall, you know, in line. I mean, you, you call followers of Jesus to a, to a pretty hard line, not hard line, but I mean, you say, Hey, your, your options are celibacy or heterosexual marriage. Uh, like what, what, what sort of encouragement do you have to speak into that? And because some are like, Hey, I don't care. Like I, I, I never want to get married anyways, but some are like, man, I, I deeply desire that. How, what, what sort of encouragement do you have for those individuals? 
Yeah, the first thing I'd, I'd want to say is that, that that sexual ethic comes from the lips of Jesus himself, and it comes to us from the one who is unfathomably good and who himself lived by that sexual ethic. So it's good to remember that, that Jesus didn't marry. Um, Jesus didn't date. Uh, he didn't have sex. Um, and he was the most complete person who ever lived. So we mustn't think that, that marriage or romantic fulfillment or sexual experience is fundamental for leading a whole and complete life. And moreover, the, the very things we long for when we find ourselves either experiencing sexual frustration or longing for, for marital companionship are the very things we find in their fullness in Jesus. He is the one who, when we come to him, we will never go hungry and we will never thirst. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the things that we're most longing for actually are not human romance and human marriage, but the, the deepest longing underneath all of those things is the longing to be with the one who, again, calls himself the bridegroom. And being single in Christ means you have <laughs> marital prospects and satisfaction ahead of you that the most happily married non-Christian will never understand. Mm. Un unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Well, if, 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 we're, if we're awaiting the wedding supper of the, of the lamb and the bride, if we're, we're awaiting the perfect marriage, then we don't need to have the, the signpost. We don't. We don't need to have the thing that is the picture of it. The shadow. Um, yeah, we we can do it. It's it's a glorious gift wow. to, to be given if if God gives it to us. But it's not. It's not essential. Um, I can I can skip the appetizer when I'm when I'm already smelling the entree and know how good it's going to be. Um, That's beautiful. So I think there's a way in which our, our singleness can be a kind of a prophetic anticipation of the age to come, in which Jesus says none of us will marry and be given in marriage. Precisely because we will have the the bridegroom. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good. Sam, if if our listeners wanted to connect with you and they wanted to learn more about your ministry, um, how would they do that? Can you tell us? Uh, I should say, listeners and viewers, um, tell us more about your ministry. You're in Nashville now. We know that. Yep. So um, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. So you can normally figure out what I'm up to and, and things on, on Twitter. Um, I'm often, I'm at a, based at Emmanuel Nashville. That's the church I'm a member of and preach there regularly and do other bits and pieces. All of my writing is on the Gospel Coalition. So, um, and Desiring God, those would be, those would be places to look, to look. And I've got a, um, if you want a, an out-of-date website, um, samalbury.com, has things I was doing three years ago that <laughs> I need to figure out how to update. So um, it may be worth checking that out at some point. Too. Do you have a podcast of your own? Uh, no, but I'm uh, Ray Ortland here in Nashville, and I yeah. are, are hoping to start one soon for TGC. Wonderful. Um, so that, that will be primarily for, for Christian leaders. It's going to be called You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for the church leaders that's nice. exciting that'll be cool well hey fo uh, everyone keep an eye out for that that'll be we're, good. we're podcast junkies over here sam 
So no, I, I don't have one of my own, you know, but I, I just sort of dabble in other people's. Oh, you, get, you get all yeah. the time and none of the responsibility. <laughs> well, I, you know, I originally learned about you. I was at Costa Mesa, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, Brian Broderson's church. Um, mm. And I heard you speak at the pastor's conference. It's been a number of years ago. Just so personally impacted. Uh, and then I started following you on Twitter and, and just hearing your heart uh, as a pastor on this issue. And uh, I've been personally uh, challenged and encouraged by Jesus in you, Sam. It's been cool. Well, that's it. I can't ask for more than that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, Sam, we, we greatly appreciate you taking time to uh, just have this conversation with us. Uh, again, I think you, you bring some really good things to the table, I think, that mm-hmm. are going to be a blessing and a challenge, mm-hmm. I think, to the people that uh, we connect with through this podcast but uh yeah again greatly appreciate you and uh forever in uh, nashville we'll have to look you up uh, grab some barbecue or something come have some hot chicken yeah there yeah hattie b's right <laughs> oh yeah, so, yeah. J- jb knows all the all the good food places. i'll be in nashville uh here in a couple months i might email you and see yeah if we could connect that'd be great so Dude, if you have some if you have some hattie b's on the with the hot hot sauce no um, the, the book of Revelation makes a lot more sense. <laughs> so last time I was at Hattie B's, I had uh, medium, and then I had one hot, not even the extra hot, and you know the, the next one up. I was two levels down from their hot, and I couldn't finish it. And I like hot and spicy foods, but I mean, it was like surface of the sun hot. So I know what you're, yeah. you're talking about. But we love crema down there. There's great coffee. Uh, yeah. So. He knows all the good. Cool. He knows Hit all me the good That'd so. be fun. Cool. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, blessing, Sam. Thank you so much. Sam, if we could get another two or three minutes of your time, oh. but with the tech issues that happened when we first started rolling, we didn't roll in with the episode number, bio, and you giving us basically a brief intro of who you are, your ministry. And so I want to take that and backfill it into the production. Mm-hmm. So pretend like you're starting. Okay. <laughs> if that's, are you, do you have like two minutes? Are you okay? Sure. Or do you you got to move on. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I got to get back into intro yeah. zone here. Introduce yourself. All We're right. joined. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of Radiant Reflections. My name is Josh Harum. I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined today by our, who is normally our producer. Uh, today he is our co-host. I'll still be your producer. You're still the producer, yeah. uh, but he's also our co-host, Pastor Josh Brown. Yeah. How's it going, Josh Brown? Glad to be here. And uh, we have the privilege of spending some time today with uh, Pastor Sam Alberry. Uh, Sam, you want to say hello to everybody out there? Uh, that's quite a that's quite an audience. If oh. you've got everybody out there listening <laughs> to this, I'm impressed. That's right, maybe Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, life goals. Life yes, goals. Right. So, hey, uh, Sam. For those that are not familiar with you, could you just give us a, a brief uh, overview of who you are, what you do, and you know that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm British, and I'm currently living in, in in America in the process of moving here to Nashville, and have been involved in church leadership and Christian ministry for the past ten, fifteen plus years. Um, mainly as a local church pastor, but also as a speaker and as an apologist, and um, written some stuff as well. Very cool. I'm glad to, glad to have you on. Looking forward to this conversation. So. Thank you. That's perfect. Thanks. Right. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you, Sam. It's a pleasure. All right, and we'll we'll uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to maybe uh, chat in person one of these days. So. That would be great fun. Yeah. Are you guys? Will you be at TGC next month? 
No. So I will be, uh, I'm coming down for the Southern Baptist convention. Um, and, uh, bring a helmet and padding. Yeah. No joke. <laughs> oh, I cover my sleeves. I mean, like it's scary there. Uh, but you know, when I saw J at JD Greer though, when he became president, I did feel a little bit of sigh of relief because he, he's got some tattoos and he seems to be, I don't know if you listen to his podcast, ask me anything. Have you listened to that one? I don't know, but I love JD. So I'm, it's I'm like sure 10 minutes. It. And I mean, he talks about everything. I mean, from anything you can think of. Uh, and, and from a very balanced perspective, uh, it's a good podcast. So I want to connect with you, okay. Sam. I'm, I might, I might email you. I want to talk about your podcast, uh, with <laughs> Ray. Cause that's what I actually do for a living. So we, okay. we serve mostly Calvary chapels, uh, but we do TV hmm. production, radio and podcast production for churches. I would love to serve you. And it's not a business proposition I'm talking about. I would love to serve you in any way I could to help further uh, what you're doing. Ray Orland, I'm a huge fan. Um, so maybe there's something I could do to help you guys, uh, whether That's it's kind of this kind of stuff, tech kind of consultation uh, and or actual assembly and distribution of that podcast. Um, I'd be, I'd be humbled to be a part of that. So. Thank you. That's really kind of you. Cool. Okay. Yeah, you got my email, so let me know. Sounds great, Sam. God bless you. Thanks. Have a, good Have a good day. See you, brother. Bye. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.